uh, Tom from tdjacobs.com, and uh, this is another original audio uh, dealio. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about um, some of the stuff that's happening in Paris recently, and then and I'm going to talk about it from the soul's perspective. I'm going to talk about why these things happen, and then I'm going to, in my Venus, Pluto, and the Twelfth and Libra way, attempt to give you perspectives that can help you see the bigger picture so you can manage your energy and emotion better as you um, you know, witness through social media and online media and whatever media, blah, 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 uh, the after effects of a tragedy this time in Paris. And then you are going to hear uh, the soul's journey number 114 and the soul's journey is a was was a weekly radio show and podcast that I did for almost 3 years uh, that ended earlier this year and number 114 is called an Eris show understanding terrorism you're going to get that complete episode there um, I'm doing it uncut just because I listened to the first um, 3 quarters of it just now and I was like well I'll just excerpt you know, the relevant part, but I realize it's kind of threaded all the way through because in that episode I was kind of all over the place tying different things together. If you want to get to know the soul's journey, uh, the archive is available. At the end of it was 142 episodes of me lecturing and teaching and giving all kinds of astrology and spirituality uh, info, advice, uh, education, and stuff like this. So you're going to hear that episode. Um, but what I want to talk about, why these things happen. Uh, wh- why? Why? This is, you know, the phases that, that people can go through once a, a terrorist bombing has occurred. And ISIS, or ISIL, uh, the you know, so-called Islamic State, has claimed responsibility. And so, we, you know, we're in this position of, first we're shocked and then we're emotional, and then we wonder why it happens, and then we wonder more. And we go into, and this is um, um, manifest by ongoing cyclical, you know, um, eating itself and then regurgitating itself media coverage that will go on for a very long time about this event and what implications it has and la 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 la, and et cetera. So, and this is, and I actually recorded the Iris show right after the Charlie Hebdo stuff early in the year, I guess. Um, I guess it's early in 2015. Um, recording that, well, you know, right after that, that, that terrorist attack. So I talk a little about that in the show, in that episode you're going to hear. From our human perspective, we're going to make certain assumptions about why these things happen. As I mentioned with my Pluto Venus, one of my goals is to bring you a bird's eye view. At this point, I have connected to me all the time the, you might say this ascended master, but it's really a kind of consciousness, it's a data bank, it's a level of awareness of this ascended master, whose name is Jehuti, that's spelled D-J-E-H-U-T-Y, and also he's known as Thoth or Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin. So he is um, always in my head. So I have my human perspective, but I also have his perspective. And why does this happen? Why would that happen? You know, why would a child be born with a, um, 
with a deformity? Why would this person get Alzheimer's? Why would um, a provider of a family die young in an accident? Why, you know, why? This Ascended Master is here to help us explain these things. And so I have access to that data bank of why things happen the way they do. So this is what I'm going to offer you. Why does terrorism happen? Well, that's explained in the episode you're going to hear. And it's a, a lot about, about, about Iris and feeling triggered. But why do people do these things to each other? I'm going to approach it from a kind of a, a broader place that's not including astrology here. Why? Why, why, why? Why does this happen? I want to cut through some things and assumptions and ideas and beliefs, and I want you to understand really clearly that there's no such thing as safety. That you are not safe. And I'm not telling you to be worried. I'm telling you that that the part of you that expects an external reality to make you feel safe, that part of you is mistaken. There is no such thing as safety outside yourself. What we experience in the external world is a manifestation. It comes into being because of our vibrations internally. So something like this happens. Why did this happen? The brain asks that because it wants, we want, to figure out how we can avoid that. How can I make sure that I'm never casually eating at a restaurant somewhere in the world and, 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 and a bomb would go off? How can I make sure that would never happen? So a part of you wants to know that you're safe. And my job is to tell you that your brain, that need that your brain has, that you think is you, will never be satisfied. And you have an option about what, how to proceed given this truth. If I say there's no such thing as safety and you are not safe, your brain will come in and have an idea and opinion. Now, part of you might say, well, that Jacob's kid, he hasn't steered me wrong yet. So let me listen to the rest of what he has to say. But you know, maybe you're, you know, maybe you are generous in giving me the benefit of the doubt. But I, I want to keep telling you that you're not safe and there's no such thing as safety because I want this part of you that needs, that perceives it needs that, to come to the surface, so you can transform your relationship with it. And as I'm speaking, I am severely humbled. <laughs> <laughs> because I've had three experiences in the last maybe eight or ten days that have been really traumatic. And until I picked up this tiger iron that I charged with Metatron's energy, which is very grounding, seriously grounding, before I picked that up and turned on the record uh, for the microphone, I've been in and out of uh, weepy, crying because these three traumatic events that, you know, none of them needed to happen, but they happened in this certain order, and I've been really set off 
and a part of me hasn't felt safe. So of course this is perfect timing. I'm completely humbled. So I will also share with you what I've learned through that experience. But the part of you that needs to feel safe is the mind, which is a watchdog or a security guard looking out for scenarios and variables to unfold in certain orders that may portend that something terrible that happened to you before or that you heard about happening to somebody else may be happening now. It's like we go through this analysis process of, oh, this terrible thing that happened. Okay, well, let me assign a reason why it happened. And then let me figure out what led to it so that I can stop the process should those things happen again later. So it's like a security guard. On guard. Alert. Looking for things that might portend a repeat of some past painful experience you have had or something you've heard that's happened to somebody else and of which you should be afraid. The function of the linear logical mind is, is natural and normal, but what it does is if we align with it and it takes over, we, we manifest, we generate fear, and then we manifest it in front of us. If something happens to you, do not blame yourself. That's not the point of this at all. But understand that everything that happens to you reflects what you are vibrating, even unconsciously. So as I'm getting into this idea of, now I'm going to say it, taking responsibility for what happens to us, those people in Paris who were killed and others who were injured, they did not deserve this. It's not about deserving, and that's what the mind does. That's, that's the judgment of the mind. Well, if I did it that way, I wouldn't have deserved to be hurt. Or if I did it that way, it wouldn't have happened that way, and I'm responsible. Responsibility here is understanding that every single thing, good and bad, that happens to you occurs for a very good reason. And the reason is never that you should be punished, but that you have certain experiences through which you, as a soul, can grow. And so my challenge to you is to A, rewrite the history of what has happened to you that has just sucked. Rewrite that history and decide that you are willing to see the bird's eye view on why this thing may have served your growth. As you do that, B, take out all judgment, shame, and guilt from what comes up. C, look at everything that happens in the world to others through the exact same lens. All the terrible things that happened to you that may be happening to other people, this is not about deserving. There is not a punishing God telling them that they didn't do their taxes right or, or that they didn't pray hard enough or that they shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that. No such thing. It's all about vibratory resonance and we create experiences to help our souls learn about it. Some of the people who died, the souls are manifesting, what's it like to die in a bomb? What's it like to die as a result of a bomb? Violence, terrorism, political issues. Some of the people who survived, their souls are saying, I wonder what it's like to survive that. 
So none of these things are accidental. That's the key. Every single impactful, important thing that happens to you is not accidental. It happens to show your soul how to learn how to be human. So the big problem here is when people decide that they are their minds or their minds are them and they align with that because these fears of the mind come up to help us try to keep ourselves safe, to keep us safe, which we will never be kept safe. So with this thing in Paris, everybody's hearts go out to everybody else. And as you'll hear about in the Eras thing, there's a big, in, the, in that show you're going to hear soon, at the end of uh, this uh, business, um, if you're grounded, then you can intentionally manage your energy field and you can intentionally manage through consciously experiencing your emotions. My heart doesn't go out to anybody who's killed in a bomb or injured. My heart does not go out to the people who survive, uh, people, um, family members who survive a loved one's death. My heart does not go out to people experiencing tragedy. And this is not because I'm cold. This is not because I'm heartless. This is because I intentionally manage my emotions. I, I do what I can to intentionally manage my energy field. I have a great deal of compassion, but I do not lose my shit when I hear that a bomb went off in some other city. I don't even feel that way when something happens in my own city. And it, it may make me look like I can't get on the appropriate bandwagon. You know, I can't get on the appropriate track of caring. But humanity has thus far been in an infancy spiritually. That's another truth to work with here. So you don't know how to manage your energy and your emotions because you are part of a collective that has not yet learned how to come out of infancy regarding emotion and energy. If other people can make you feel things, if events about which you hear can make you feel things, then you are hereby officially invited by all that is, of which your soul is part, to realize you are in process to learn more about managing energy and emotion. Doesn't mean you don't feel, but you manage, you intentionally use your energy and your emotion. So I talk about getting grounded, getting in the body. And in, and, um, in some contexts, I talk about that in terms of um, dealing with my own emotions, dealing with inner parts of me, knowing when an inner kid is speaking, when an old insecurity is being triggered. Getting grounded, getting in the body, connecting with the earth, and through this process, you learn what is yours and what isn't yours. This human collective infancy, spiritual infancy, has to do with commingling and commixing and entangling our energies with each other as well. In the Piscean Age, which has been the rage for the last 2100 or so years, we merge. That's the successful strategy. We give up individuality. We merge. We feel what the collective feels. We open. We absorb. We sponge things in. We're in the transition to the Aquarian Age where we are more intentional, we learn detachment, 
we uh, when Aquarius goes wrong, we can get um, too cold. But that's not about. I'm not telling you to get cold. I'm telling you to um, learn about who you are and individuate, and then reconnect with other people who know who they are and have individuated. It's about community, but it's about inventing new community once you know who you are. In the Piscean Age, this, the strategy has been to surrender to the flow of what's happening around you. So if you have been affected by the stuff in Paris, decide right now to call back all the energy that may have left you because your heart wanted to go out or did. Call back all the energy that belongs to you. Sit down, get grounded, connect to the earth, be in your body, and decide that you are going to become more conscious of how you as an energetic being operate. And this is the transition to the Aquarian Age. This is enabled and, and kick-started by the end of the Mayan Long Count calendar several years ago. It wasn't the end. It was the beginning of a process of you and everybody becoming more conscious of what it means to be an energetic being. You encounter energy and you experience emotion in response. This is actually a key to the user's manual of your human self. You encounter energy and you feel emotion. So a tragedy occurs and everybody gets very upset. I was just I was talking to it with Jillian about this uh, a little bit ago and uh, she said, you know, maybe it would be different if I knew somebody. And and I I kind of feel like maybe it wouldn't like for her and for me. Um there's a certain level of human feeling, but there's also this level of when you get to the place where you accept the birds eye view that things happen for a reason, you end up getting less upset. And the part of you that wants to feel safe is no longer in charge. The part of you that fears that you might not be in charge or that you might not be safe is no longer in charge. So I was talking about this with her and one of the things that um, I was talking about getting very emotional and getting swept away. Whenever, whenever that phrase comes up, I think about getting grounded. Um, but also a commitment to the bird's eye view makes you leak energy less. You stop leaking energy when you're committed to seeing things through the lens of spirit and soul and seeing why these things happen and assuming everything that happens happens for a reason and that reason is to teach the soul what it's like to have certain experiences. So that's a good segue into me telling you about the week that I had, which I didn't think I was going to do, but here I am feeling very centered and of course it's so obvious now why it occurred. I thought I had an idea, and I think I'm right. I think there are two reasons. Um, months and months ago, I was doing having some convo with um, a guy who was having PTSD um, after being around three explosions. I think he, the way he said it was he was blown up three times, but I think it was he was not physically injured. But he was a, a, a medic in the army. But he was right next to three different explosions uh, overseas in, in two different um, two different tours. And so he had PTSD, and he'd gone through the VA system, and he talked to therapists and psychiatrists and all kinds of stuff. And he wouldn't take the 
anti-anxiety meds or the SSRIs, the, um, what do you call those, antidepressants. And there was a point in every conversation with each practitioner where that was what the only thing that they knew to do next. And he knew that was not it. So I got connected with him through a, um, through a, a client I met when I was uh, traveling a couple years ago. He had a session with me, and I couldn't get through to him, meaning I'm doing energy work for him, and I couldn't get in. And I thought, that is very confusing. That's never happened. So I started asking Ascended Master Jehudi, can I develop a tool, a technique, a work with a crystal to help people with PTSD or people who have recently experienced trauma because there's a disconnect and then being out of alignment that results from trauma. And so Jehudi said, well, yes, you should. Anyway, so we had this long convo and the, the and I, he taught me how to charge onyx, a black stone that's typically associated with the root chakra and grounding, um, for uh, healing PTSD and trauma. And working through that pain and that anger and that disconnect and calling fragments back and this whole process. There's actually, a, I think, a 30-page PDF that's channeled on my, uh, maybe 33 pages, channeled on my site on the Onyx page. Um, when you go to the home page, on the right you'll see charged crystals, and, and that's one of the nine that's listed. Click on the Onyx picture, and you'll go to, um, to be able to read this document. And he talks about trauma and PTSD. And I said, I said, great. I said, great, but I still felt like I didn't have all the, the information, you know, for working with this. And so um, this last uh, week, I went to Southern California to uh, another meeting of Steve Forrest's apprenticeship program. He's an evolutionary astrologer. I've been a, a member of his program for, I guess, 11 years now. And um, he does these four-day uh, intensives twice a year. And, and uh, I haven't been to all of them, but I've been to maybe like, I don't know, maybe a dozen or something in 11 years, maybe more. So we went down there a few days early to have a few days vacation time. And then we stayed a few days later to have a couple days off. And so we're gone almost 12 days, I think 12 days altogether. And by the time I left, I was so stressed out from chronic noise issues. The people who listen to the soul's journey radio show heard me talk about the dog barking that's made me crazy and they laugh about it because it's funny but it's not funny anymore i'm actually experiencing now that you know f over five about five and a half years of elevated cortisol is catching up to me and i'm having fatigue because no matter where i go there's constant barking dog noise so by the time we left for this few days of vacation i was at my breaking point and they needed peace and quiet. So we went, um, we stayed in a little hotel in a small town, and the people above us were stomping heavy feet, moving furniture in the middle of the night, so it wasn't restful. Um, and then we went to the place, and so I was like, I just need some quiet. I just, I, you know, just feeling like I'm on the verge of like having a nervous breakdown in slow motion. So we go to the second place, which is closer to the program, because we just, you know, a few days here and then we're going to go to the program. And we get there and the first night when I'm unloading uh, stuff from the vehicle, like, you know, like suitcases, whatever, um, this individual with literally the loudest Harley I've ever heard buzzed by me. is like 15 feet behind me on the street. And I felt my central nervous system felt 
like electrocuted or raped. Like I felt like my brain got raped through my ears is what it felt like. And I lost it. But kind of like trying to control myself, I was grounded, but then I, I mean, it was the loudest thing and I felt like my whole being like break into pieces. It's trauma. Trauma. So I went in and I took a bunch of supplements that lower cortisol <laughs> and, uh, but I was feeling something erupting, like breaking, cracking. And uh, Jillian knew that it freaked me out. And she was she put her hand on my back and I was like, you know, don't touch me again. And I felt like I might hurt her because I couldn't, I wasn't in control. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I took all these supplements, uh, like magnesium and Tulsi, which is like holy basil and, and this other thing, rhodiola, something or another, which is about people riding horses and bulls in circles. Rhodiola, rosea, something like that. Anyway, so um, then I went to this the, the attached room because this, pla- this place we were staying had two rooms and there was a treadmill in it and I just went over to the window and looked out and held onto this treadmill and I tried not to completely lose it through screaming, thrashing my body, freaking out because my whole central nervous system just got like a million volts put through it metaphorically. So I just held onto this treadmill rail and stared out the window and my breathing was all messed up. I was just like totally fucking traumatized and I had no idea what was going to happen and I just wanted to die because of the feeling in my body was so, was so terrible. And I think, and then after a while I sat down, but I couldn't let go of the rail and I wanted to crawl under this desk that was right there, but I didn't want to move. I wanted to crawl under it and hide because clearly I wasn't safe, but I, um, I'm totally self-conscious about talking about all this stuff, but my progressed moon's on the midheaven in cancer. So of course it's like, I was wondering what was going to happen months ago. I was wondering what's going to happen where everybody's going to see my emotional problems or whatever. Um, but also, there's a happy end of the story, because I've, I've learned how to heal stuff. But uh, So anyway, by the time I sat down, then I started crying too. And it's just like weird eruptions of crying and like hype, you know, shallow breathing, almost hyperventilating, and like freaked out, just totally traumatized. Like I've never been like that before. I've never been like that before. And I, I want to say it was about an hour and a half, maybe maybe a little less, but you know, maybe an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half, maybe two hours, I don't know. And so I went in the other room and I asked Jillian to make me some Tulsi tea, which Tulsi is a holy basil. It's good for lowering cortisol and calming down. Um, and but, but my voice was breaking and I would start crying as I was talking and I didn't realize that. And I started to notice that this whole time, the part of me that was not traumatized, that was grounded, was, was there. So I was observing all of this. But I didn't realize it until I tried to speak to her, and my physical body wasn't doing what I would intend because of the disruption, like electrically and emotionally and energetically. So I ended up going in there later and kind of being quiet, but I kept crying and just like having these little eruptions. But the whole, the part of me that is grounded, the part of me that connects with Jehudi and Metatron and is a medium and meditates, that part of me was there the whole time. And I saw the difference 
but my whole physical being was in this other state that was not like the I of the inner narrative who has become seriously grounded. And there's a reason that I'm, I'm saying it that way, because I was able to come out of this within a day, and I think it would have been weeks otherwise. I, I fucking, I had a nervous breakdown. I had an, I completely had a nervous breakdown, and within maybe 16 hours, 16, 17, 18 hours, I was me again. Um, so, oh my god, I feel like, okay, okay, I need to focus. I need to focus. Um... So I ended up eating and sitting at the table like a person, but feeling like all this messed up while I was observing how messed up I felt and having all these like issues, right? And what ended up happening was the next day we went to the, the first day of the Steve Forest program. And I know a lot of people there. I look forward to seeing people. Some people look forward to seeing me. I walk in there. I can't make eye contact. I'm evasive. I just need to, like, get some oatmeal in me. I just, you know. And people were, like, really, they didn't know. And I couldn't tell them what happened because I was still in this really messed up place neurologically. I didn't think I'd be able to go. Um, I didn't think I'd be able to go, but I was able to go. And I had with me blue kyanite and... uh, my oh, and a, one of the Oralite 23 pieces I use. And the kyanite is not charged. It helps align your chakras and your energy field. You don't have to do anything special. The Oralite 23 can help me experience negativity but not align with it. So I had those with me, and these turned out to be the absolute no-joke lifesaver because during the program, there was this noise, a motorcycle revving noise, that was not super loud. But it happened, it was like a slow, you know, people at this motorcycle shop a block away working on this new engine, fine-tuning something or adjusting their whatever, because they think that's, like, important about being alive on Earth. And this happened all day, and it was driving everybody crazy, but I was having such a hard time. What I was having was violent thoughts, and the Kyanite and the Oralite 23 helped me not align with that, meaning... I was so messed up that what I needed was the noise to stop. How could I make that happen? Go hurt people. It was completely crazy. And it was like, a, it was a traumatized response to try to protect the self. So I had that and it was super intense, but I was able to not identify with that voice and let the thought come and pass away. It didn't come up and then I got upset. You know, I was already upset. So, so that was definitely a lifesaver. And I was able to tell a couple people that I had snubbed that morning or been really evasive and, and, and indifferent to. And then the next day, that noise plus construction, jackhammer next door. And so I used this stone to kind of come back. But um, then on the third day, I guess, yeah, it was the third day, I was standing next to the door because I needed fresh air. And I was, and also got super drowsy where we were sitting. It turns out it was a woman nearby was carrying some heavy energy that she didn't know how to clear. I ended up giving her a pink opal at the end of the program uh, because I could tell she was grieving something. Um, but I got so tired, I went to the door on the other side of the meeting room, and I was sitting next to it, and the wind blew shut the other doors, like a double glass door thing. And it made a loud noise. And all the progress I had made evaporated. Like all the progress that I had made about getting grounded, coming back. And so I had that negative, nasty voice that like, um, 
that mind narrative of wanting to, to be acerbic and being angry. I had it. So I went outside and it kind of rained it back in again. And I was really proud of myself. I was really, really proud of myself. But I then after that, I was so exhausted. I just needed not to be conscious. So we ended up leaving the program earlier and not going to the party that night, which I always go to. I love socializing with people and and sharing notes outside the program and, you know, outside the, the context of what we're learning. And, um, and so we didn't go, but then the next day, um, it was fine. I felt really good the next day and it was actually my birthday the next day. So kind of like everything was really great. And then, um, we came home. That was Sunday. We came home Tuesday, Tuesday night. I'm at home. I'm completely, I'm like 85% back to normal. I'm feeling grounded and calm. I feel happy. And I step out of my front door to go get the mail. I hear this snarling dog, growling, snarling dog noise. And a little adrenaline starts because I can't see anything. I don't know what's going on. I walk out maybe eight or ten, eight feet in front of my door, this little narrow sidewalk that goes out to the, the, the street. And uh, this big dog off-leash, has heard my door open or felt my energy and decided to come attack. So I get out to this place and then the noise is now this dog rounds the corner and, and stops but is going to attack. And I freak out. I scream. And all of a sudden I'm adrenaline. It's full of adrenaline. And my scream is so loud because my voice is very big. <laughs> it wasn't like a it was like a really, you know, okay. And uh, the dog ended up running away because I scared it as it scared the hell out of me. So, and it wasn't like a dog who wanted to play. It was anger attack energy. And what I had been doing, I realized when we were unpacking the car, I had heard a lot of dog barking in the neighborhood, which is actually pretty normal. That's why um, I think Tucson is a shithole because that is this norm everywhere, constantly barking dogs. What I realized is, though, this dog off leash has been going around and people and the dog people, the dog people inside the apartments and outside in the yards or the little like patio enclosures, they're barking at that dog. And that's why it was happening so much. So I'm all adrenaline up. My breathing is super shallow. I'm almost hyperventilating. I come back in. I'm like, obviously, I shouldn't get the mail. And I come back in and I stand at the kitchen counter and I'm by myself and I kind of like, whoa, the difference between adrenaline and cortisol is now really clear. That's helpful because uh, I've been living with cortisol for so long, the stress hormone. Uh, they're both produced by the adrenals, uh, adrenal glands. But anyway, I got that clarity and I, and I felt clear because when you have a, a um, when you're filled with adrenaline, it's fight or flight. You don't feel anger. And so I was standing at the counter, and I was like, well, okay, that really happened. And I was getting my breathing under control, got grounded again, and felt, you know what, I can handle this, because you don't get exposed to anything you can't handle. Everything's fine. And I calmed down, and then Jillian came in, uh, came to the kitchen a few minutes later, and I was standing there, probably like nothing was wrong, and I said, and I explained what had happened, and she was like, oh, no, because she could, she knew that that kind of thing would just be like the third thing, the third trauma, but I felt okay, right? And then I said to her, and I, I, I kind of I think I made a little joke, like, well, I guess, um, you know, I guess I, you know, shouldn't get the mail, or I made some kind of stupid, you know, joke that was meaningless. And then, 
I went upstairs to my office and closed the door. And when the adrenaline passed, I was completely messed up and I've been that way. So now it's Saturday. That was Tuesday night. So I've been taking sedatives and Benadryl and things to like calm me down. I've been uh, lithium orotate, you know, um, trying to calm down because I have these like waves of feeling so messed up, feeling re-traumatized, but feeling worse than I did the previous week after I got the first round out in control and just feeling powerless and feeling victimized and feeling like, why do I deserve this? I clearly don't deserve this. And then remembering, oh, right. I asked Jehudi how I could help people with trauma. So I'm experiencing trauma. I'm like, okay. Um, but it's really this whole thing about being grounded and learning to be intentional with your energy field. Like I said, that first thing with when my brain got raped through my ears, like that first thing um, where I really lost it, I seriously had a nervous breakdown. I can't even adequately express to you how singular, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. It was the most intense traumatic thing. Um, but I came back. And if I hadn't known what I know, about energy, emotion, the body, the nervous system, intention, grounding. If I didn't know what I know, if I don't, if I don't, if I didn't know how to do what I've learned how to do over the last 12 years, I'd have been laid up for two or three weeks, uh, hoping I didn't have to be conscious and wishing I were dead. So I said, when this third thing happened, yeah, I, um, I can handle it. It doesn't happen if you can't handle it. But anyway, I've been dealing with that with different crystals dealing with the different sedatives and, and herbal supplements and having some moments of clarity, but feeling, you know, staring off in the distance and feeling like life is meaningless. Why should I bother doing anything? Because other things are going to happen that have nothing to do with me and my intentions. And having that pessimistic, just flat and half dead. And Jillian keeps asking me, what she said today, but I could tell she's thought it many times. I could feel her thinking it earlier in the week. Can you describe what you're feeling? And um, I tried to, and then literally five minutes later, I was my jokey self again. And then half an hour after that, I was back in the in the pit. So it's been up and down and up and down. So as I was having this conversation with her about the stuff, that, these bombings, these five or six simultaneous bombings in Paris... And we're talking about my heart goes out to people and talking about losing, like being swept away. I said to her, I think that part of this, part of the reason people get so worked up is because part of them is looking for proof that they're not safe. You know, part of them worried that tragedy can happen at any moment. Has something stimulating to do. Like at first I made a joke about how people just want their feelings and their reactions to matter. So tragedy happens halfway across the world and they're like, oh, I don't care about it. I made a joke about that and then I was like, well, actually, seriously, this is what I think. Um, you know, people want their feelings to matter. People want their hearts to matter. And then I realized that people want the pain they've experienced they want some external validation of things that have hurt them. So this tragedy happens elsewhere. And yeah, look, 
yeah, terrible things happen. So the teaching here, <laughs> beyond you are not safe, the teaching is, yeah, terrible things happen. We get traumatized. Stuff really fucks us up. Our brains get raped. Our bodies get raped. Our bank accounts, <laughs> our bank accounts, our cars, everything gets raped, right? This whole this whole thing about this violation, this violence that can happen, it isn't because you're not safe. It isn't because you deserve to be punished or hurt. It's because it's part of the human process. Your soul has set you on a path to learn all possible human realities over the course of many lives. At different points, you're going to be traumatized. At different points, somebody is going to hate you. At some points, somebody who you, you expect to love you will not. At some points, somebody may steal something from you. At, at, at some other point, somebody may be careless enough and you end up being injured. So your job, my job, our job, is to learn to interpret these things as the soul sees them. And that was a perspective that I was lacking from Tuesday night until the, just when I turned on this, this uh, the, the hit the record button holding the tiger iron charged with Metatron's energy. That's a perspective I'd forgotten and I couldn't see how to come back until I was thinking about the Paris bombings and how people are reacting. Oh, right, yeah, this whole thing about safety. And then, and then I realized, oh, yeah, I've been in that space for, for a week and a half, two weeks. A little over a week and a half, yeah, because it was a Wednesday night, uh, the 3rd or the 4th, whatever that Wednesday was, the first Wednesday in November was when the first thing happened. So the good news is that there's no such thing as safety outside you. So you get to decide that everything's fine and you are safe. You get to decide to carry safety with you and you create it in the world around you. But you will experience pain. Once in a while you may be traumatized. You may have a loud noise that nobody else would respond to, but you do. You may get attacked by a dog. I was actually at the, the acupuncture store today. I call it the needle store. So the needle store today, and the, and the guy at reception i become kind of friends with, friendly with. and uh, I, just, I just told him, because the way I was looking at him, it was kind of funny, and I just wanted him to... <laughs> I just, I didn't want to like be a victim and, you know, but I wanted to explain to him what was going on. So I just said briefly and he said, oh, I know what you're talking about. Because when I was a kid, yeah, it's the kind of thing you'll never forget. And I was a kid, I was, um, uh, I got bit by a dog and it was really bad. And, and I'd, I'll never forget running and then the dog catching up to me and biting me on the ass. Like, I'll never forget that. And I was like, yeah. So sometimes it's going to happen. Something that hurts you may happen. Your job is to get grounded now and every day so that when something that might hurt you happens, you are in more intentional management 
of your energy and your emotions. So the good news is, or it might sound like the bad news, that you're not safe, there's no such thing as safety, but the good news is, through experiences in which you learn that, you have the opportunity to become a more powerful, energetic being, a more powerful soul, more powerful expression of soul while being human. If, and here's the bottom line, where a lot of people are stuck, if you look to the outside world to make you feel safe, you're fucked. If you look to another person to make you feel safe, you're screwed. It won't happen. It's almost a guarantee that you create scenarios in which you find out you are not safe and that suspicion is uh, reinforced or made true, seemed to have become true. So the grounding MP3 on my site, it's a free 13-minute grounding MP3 link from the lower right-hand part of the homepage. And also a number, a large number of channeled energy work MP3s where I channel Jehudi or Jehudi and Metatron together to clear your energy field, different topics, um, clearing self-doubt, overcoming, you know, working with the emotions behind addiction, increasing immunity, all these things get you in your body connected to the earth. So you will experience things that are unhappy you will hear news reports of bombs going off somewhere. This will happen. Are you going to decide that you are powerless? They will happen. Has part of you already decided that because these things happen, obviously you're not safe and you shouldn't, you know, you know, and that you should be afraid. Should you be afraid? It is your option. But that is the disempowered experience that grows from humanity's spiritual infancy that I guarantee you your soul is rooting for you to break out of. So why do things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Because souls are not concerned with good and bad. And souls come here to learn through you. It's not that soul doesn't care what you experience. Soul certainly does not want you punished or to feel uh, injured because you deserve it. But it is a normal, natural part of being human and soul is here to learn all it can through your life about the ups and downs, all the possibilities the goods and the bads, painful, the celebratory, the peaceful, the conflictual. Your soul is here to learn about all of these things through your experience. So part of my path as a divine being is to learn how to heal myself of trauma and to make sure it doesn't become PTSD, which is the kind of long drawn out result of trauma that isn't processed right, post-traumatic stress disorder. I've had five and a half years of stress disorder, cortisol problems because of these, these irresponsible people and leaving the dogs out barking. Five and a half years of that. So then a particular trauma happens. I'm not letting it linger 
so it can become a syndrome. So why did that thing happen to me? Because my soul was learning, and that was a missing link. That was something that Tom Jacobs had not yet learned. Other traumas in life, accidents, things like this, uh, I've had shock and been dissociated. I've, I've never been, like, felt like my brain got raped and then choose to come back and recover and then nurture myself along the way in these very specific ways. But the whole time, I'm feeling not safe, so this is part of my path of reminding myself that there is no such thing as safety, but my job is to create intentionally a calm place within me that I can ground into and carry. So once again, call back all energies that may have left you because of other people's tragedies. Call back all energies that may have leaked away from you because of your own tragedies. Decide that you are going to be whole, that you are willing and ready to be whole and own all of your energies, and that you will be compassionate and you will be of service and you will be of help, you will be a healer and a helper in ways that make sense, but refuse to leak energy any longer because tragedy occurs. Yes, it does. Yes, it will continue to occur. How are you going to interpret it when it occurs? And have you already decided that you're going to decide you're powerless because ISIS can set off a, six bombs in Paris? Can, they can do it anywhere. Are you going to live in fear? I think that's all I have on this. Uh, but you're going to soon hear the entirety of the episode of Soul's Journey 114. If this is useful to you and you want to support this audio project, you can do so from my profile page on SoundCloud here. This audio is free. You can listen to it online. You can download it. And yet you can also choose to support what I'm doing. Support this Pluto, Venus, and the 12th in Libra trying to bring these perspectives through to make life better for you so you can help yourself come out of being a victim. Yeah, I didn't really go into the whole victim thing, but I think it's threaded in here. So, stay tuned to learn about why uh, terrorism happens and all about Eris and uh, specifically about ISIS. Also, in that episode, there's a karmic profile, or a little bit of a profile of a Friedrich Nietzsche, the philosopher, who lost his mind at a certain point. So this is Tom from tdjacobs.com. Thanks for playing, and uh, stay tuned for the, the Soul's Journey episode. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. 
Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Soul's Journey. This is your pal Tom from tdjacobs.com. And uh, tonight uh, is another live show, getting back into doing that because I want to open up uh, to take your calls to answer questions and do, you know, five-minute readings for you to help you uh, understand what's going on in your world. And we're, we're living in really intense times, and it's not going to lessen for a while. So I'm going to do everything I can to uh, get off the pre-record circuit <laughs> and uh, and do do live shows so you have access to, uh, to call in and, and talk about this. Tonight's show is about Eris which is the dwarf planet discovered uh, 10 years ago and named about you know eight or nine years ago. And uh, this is a, a small, small planet, dwarf planet, that has uh, got an orbit. It's about 558 years. So as you, as you tune into the show, and you know I'm an evolutionary astrologer, so you know I focus quite a lot on Pluto. Pluto is a 248-year orbit. Um, so it's quite a different story, and adding Eris – into chart analysis, expands our view of the solar system, expands our definition of what we should be um, looking at as psyche and how collective issues affect us individually. I'm going to be talking about that uh, tonight. Um, I don't come on the show every week and say, I have a great show for you. I'm so excited. I don't do that every week. I mean, I'm in a groove of, of offering you what I can to help you understand what I see is happening with this human trip. But I am really excited about this for a few reasons. First, I'm going to start with some announcements, and then I'm going to do a little recap of my week because it's I, – I honestly cannot believe it's been seven days since <laughs> I last did the show. I was just getting a cup of tea in the kitchen, and I was like, gosh, when did I do the show live last? Oh, man, yeah, it was on Hal Barr was on the show. And I was like, wait a minute, that was a week ago. <laughs> so, so I've had just so many things. So I'm going to do an, an, an overview a little bit. Um, and then I'm going to spend just a couple of brief, super brief um, couple minutes on uh, Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche's chart. And he, I'm going to use him as an example of what I'm going to talk about with era story and terrorism. It's Anyway, I, I was telling the story to my girlfriend a bit ago, and she was like, what does that have to do with anything? And I was like, oh, no, I know. I got to explain it all. So anyway, I will explain it first with some uh, with some announcements. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, and a new episode is in there every week. And if you want access to the archive, uh, over 110 shows at this point, you can do that through tdjacobs.com, and that's through a yearly subscription. And that is a treasure trove of lectures about all kinds of things, astrological, spir spiritual, consciousness-wise. Um, and also, if you're a subscriber to my monthly service, through which I uh, through which I give a user's manual for the month, in-depth explanations on what to expect the coming month with the sun's trek through a sign and all ingresses and retrogrades and lunations, full moons, new moons, you can do that through tdjacobs.com, and that is actually that includes the archive of the show as a perk. So you can check all that out through tdjacobs.com. For upcoming events, Intuitive Skills Development One begins Saturday, February 21st for 10 Saturdays. And this is a tour of your chakras, which means a tour of your life history. A couple spots still open. I encourage you, if you want to connect with guides, you want to clean up health issues, you want to understand 
what your life is about, what you're supposed to be doing here. You want to trust your instinct and intuition. You want to clear energies out so you can be more present and live in a guided way, like allowing yourself to be guided and connected. This class is definitely for you. It changes people's lives. Uh, you can read about that at tdjacobs.com and be in touch with questions. And also, if Saturdays don't work, let me know. I may do right after that class another section on another day because I have a couple people who can't make that time but really want to do it. So be in touch about that. Feel free to ask questions. There's a flyer link through my blog with all of the details, the who, what, why, where, when, how, all that stuff. So um, I want to do a little uh, recap of the week. Um, I, I mean the week for me. So, <laughs> My show, I guess it's about me. But just to tell you, I got totally inspired uh, this week. I mean, I had a great time on the show last week with with Hal, Hal Barr, and uh, who's a an astrologer, intuitive, and also human design practitioner. And then a great um, long caller question from a friend of mine, <laughs> Valerie, that I know through uh, Steve Forrest's uh, apprenticeship program. So a great time with that. The following night, I really, which was Thursday night, I had this. Um, thing come to the surface, which is an other life issue. We might say past life issue. I refer to these as other life issues because energetically and emotionally, like consciousness-wise, these things are really happening right now. I'm in this place where I have transiting Pluto conjunct my nadir, which is the IC in my chart, the beginning of the fourth house. That is going to dredge up what makes me feel disempowered from the depth of my inner psychic basement. That's the point of it. You know, my relationship with family and parents, my conditioning from when I was young, other life issues, all kinds of things are going to come up. And I had this part from another life come up that, that I've interacted with this part before, and it's actually one of the 19 examples in the Soul's Journey 3, a case study where I do 19 examples of my of other lives of mine that I've become aware of through dealing with emotional themes, essentially feelings that have nothing to do with my life with my own biography and integrating all that stuff. So I wrote a book about this, but this was a direct connection with the, with this part. And it was, it was so, I don't want to say intense. It was so all encompassing, all consuming. It just took over, but I was watching it happen. And it was a, it was a dude with grief who's lost a partner. I read about that in the book. Um, and, Anyway, so that kind of took over, but I was also observing it, and this actually fits with what's going, what I'm going to talk about with the rest of the show too because I've developed a grounding practice so that I was able to allow this part to fully express, meaning I felt these feelings from another life, but I was grounded. I did not lose my expletive. I did not forget who I was. I did not do something crazy. I did not scream and run around and think that I was losing my expletives. So so anyway, so getting grounded is part of the point of this. And then for a few hours afterward and then for the rest of the night, I was in this kind of peaceful, this weird peaceful zone, which was like kind of, I mean, I kind of wondered if I was in a bit of a shock, but it was really just kind of a peaceful resolution. What I want to get at is while I'm having Pluto transit my IC, everybody's having Pluto Uranus stuff happen. We've had six of seven squares. I'm doing a series of shows about this. Um, and then again, that is available in the archive. You can call the archive and see all the stuff I've been doing, and there are going to be more coming up over the next uh, couple of months. The seventh square will be mid-March. And it's as I'm telling my monthly subscribers, it's not just uh, some squares. It's the 
ringing of this deep gong note that gets louder and more resonant every time. So it's almost like orders of magnitude stronger or more intense than the previous ones. So we've had six of the seven. So this is loud. So get grounded. Go to my website. Lower right-hand part of the page of the homepage is a, a, a button to download this free 13-minute MP3 meditation. Go there. Do that. Do this meditation twice a day. Clear out your energy field. Get grounded. Get in your body. Decide that you're safe. Clear your heart. Open your heart. Because we are living in times in which things from other parts of the timeline are going to come up for resolution. As I talk about Eris and terrorism, this is what I'm going to talk about. Our relationship with the other, our relationship with those people who seem strange that we may make fun of, right? The satirical paper in Paris, uh, Charlie Hebdo, that was, that was attacked and, and, and 12 uh, people there killed. This, I guess about a week ago by Islamic extremists who are very upset about um, depictions of the Prophet Muhammad. Now, it doesn't matter – I'm going to get into this, but just briefly. It doesn't matter that the magazine had nothing sacred, like like held nothing to be sacred except the right of free speech, right? We can kind of – yeah, I want to make it too noble, but it's just like making fun of everything is a way of um, – pointing out that we take things seriously right but but there's there are threads in you know Islam and the and there are people who are faithful within that tradition who that this really hurts so it's part of the heiress heiress thing a woman in a, an online forum that I'm in sometimes uh, on Facebook posted uh, you know the the chart of France she's French and, and lives there and said you know is this can you help me see just an open question to anybody about the national karma of France and how this, you know, this stuff is really affecting us and what's going on. And I and I wrote to her and said, "Look, I'm going to do this on the show tonight, um, but I don't think it's a national karma of France. I think it's the ripening of of uh, West and Middle East issues for almost the last hundred years, which I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes. So anyway, so um, when I had this part take over, I recognized with some peace that I had become grounded enough through uh, focused effort over years to allow this emotional thing to unfold, to allow this wave to break. And I was speaking what I was experiencing uh, to my girlfriend. I th I, I, we were both tired and it was late, but I had to, I had to do this. And um, I think I don't know. I don't think she was a little in shock, but she wasn't quite sure what to do, and I wasn't quite sure what to do. It was just like explicating this, you know, describing these feelings. But I was grounded enough not to be messed up or think I'm crazy or to wonder what's going to happen next or to wonder if something's wrong with me. We are experiencing things coming up from under the surface, things from our childhoods, things from our other lives that have made us feel disempowered. That's the Pluto idea. Uranus and Aries squaring Pluto and Capricorn. Who's in charge? Can I rebel against the structures of my life that limit me? Do I have the right to be free? And this is really bringing up stuff for quite a lot of people. Um, as I'm going to talk about it during the show, because I'm still not done talking about my week. <laughs> I'm mixing it up a little bit. I'm kind of combining things, but um, I'm sure you'll bear with me. Um, oh, my gosh. See, when you interrupt yourself constantly – Eventually, you're going to forget one of the threads. Oh, oh my gosh, there are coyotes outside. Hold on. Can you? I don't know if you can hear that. I'm going to open the window. Um, 
I still don't know if that's because they find food or they're celebrating or somebody won the lottery. I still don't know why they they howl and do that. So, Kier, you can hear it? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It happens daily, <laughs> at least once a night, because we live right next to this wash, which is a big dry riverbed, and they, they wander through. It's beautiful. So um, this is part of the thing with the terrorism and the era stuff I'm going to talk about, a hundred years of Western relations with the Middle East that have not uh, been respectful in various ways. So we're all dealing with stuff coming up from under the surface. And so getting grounded. So again, go to my site and get that MP3. And there's also a literal treasure trove, a literal wealth of channeled MP3s and written materials and courses to help you uh, get grounded, stay grounded, get a grip on your multidimensional emotional self. That's what we're learning right now is that we're multidimensional. Um, so some of the stuff that's coming up with the, the events in Paris and other issues regarding, you know, religious extremism, you know, why, for example, do uh, people from Western countries go, sometimes in relatively large numbers from certain countries, to the Middle East to train with terror groups? Why? This is other life issues coming up. You can be, in some life, you can be anti-West and then be born in another life in the West and then realize, I don't fit here. I need to go across the world and be with those people who hate the West or who are so angry about what the West is doing. So anyway, so we're all kind of having certain things from many lives come to a head. Come to a head. So moving on in my week, so I felt really peaceful. I felt really good after this, after this thing happened. I had a, a certain level of peace regarding expressing that deep emotional thing. And, and, and we're all being called to get a, to develop a better relationship with our emotions and, and who we think we are to embrace this multidimensionality. That was Thursday. <laughs> um, Saturday, I went to a workshop here put on by the Tucson Astrologers Guild, of which I'm a member and have uh, done a few done a few talks or panels with uh, to them over the years. And Philip Sedgwick, who is a Tucson astrologer, uh, is pretty well known, and I encourage you to check him out if you're interested in anything. That's interesting and good. No, I'm, I'm teasing. Anything that's um, beyond normal expectations of what astrology may be, because he 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 focuses on quasars, black holes, galactic phenomena, um, the other uh, these other planets that have longer orbits than even Eris that have been discovered. And so this workshop was on um, Eris, which was very good because I'm back to working on the Eris book, as you're going to hear about tonight, um, and four other. And four other uh, planets, or three or four other planets that are that are officially, according to us, the International Astro Astronomical Union, planets: um, Sedna, Makemake, and a couple others. So this workshop was on that, and I got really, I felt blessed to have his perspectives on Eris, which reminded me of a couple keywords that I haven't been focusing on. Um, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna mention that too. But that was that was wonderful. I really got. Um, just super stimulated. And I'd had a reading with Philip maybe nine years ago in LA when he was doing a workshop there. And I went to a workshop where he, he did this thing on, uh, like the, the Bush family, like three generations of the Bush family, because at that time, George W. Bush was president and this, this dynasty thing and the karma of these different members of the family with the USA chart and the kind of looking at these connections. And it was fascinating. Had a reading with him 
And um, our sons are conjunct because we're a day apart in birthdays. And so when he spoke to me, it really resonated. So I had that experience again this weekend, and that was really that was really terrific. So um, now I'm going to take the first break, come back, and really get into this uh, the part of the heiress part of the show. This is Tom Jacobs on the Soul's Journey. Stick with me. I'll be right back. getting grounded what about cleaning up and improving your relationships with your body money and others energy worker and channel tom jacobs infuses crystals with the supportive clarifying and empowering energies of archangel metatron and ascended master jehudi aka thoth saint germain and merlin Charged Tiger Iron powerfully engages your first, second, and third chakras, while Charged Red Jasper activates Chakra 2. Users report improved sleep, deepened meditation, increased trust of their bodies, intuition, and spirit guides, better boundaries, and heightened confidence to follow their passions. Included with each charged piece are channeled resources and ongoing support from Tom Jacobs. Get your charged crystal at tdjacobs.com. You've heard Tom Jacobs, the host of CTR's The Soul's Journey, share insightful perspectives on astrology and spirituality, providing useful tools to help you make life better. Each month, Tom saves his most in-depth analyses for subscribers to his monthly service. Subscribers to tdjacobs.com receive a user's manual for each month when the sun changes sign. The sun's time in that sign, ingresses, retrogrades, major aspect patterns, and new and full moons are covered in depth and help you make the most of the present moment. A channeled meditation and a monthly call to pick Tom's brain are included as are a number of perks, exclusive materials, and savings on his classes and products. Read more and sign up monthly or yearly at tdjacobs.com. Back to the soul's journey. This is Tom from tdjacobs.com. And uh, um, regarding those coyotes who are out there, a few weeks ago, I also encountered javelina, which I don't know if you know what they are. You'd have to be in the in the Sonoran Desert to, to know what they are, or at least to have experienced that. And they they're they're not pigs or boars, but they look like they look like boars. Um, and they're wild animals, and they wander around here and they roam. And when I come back from the gym late at night, sometimes I run into them. Uh, Near my apartment complex, which is really close to the river, they wander around and they look for food. They look for shrubs, and they—they're in like packs of like seven to ten of like a family group. And um, one a couple of weeks ago, when I was coming back, and I was not expecting this. I was completely peaceful after uh, working out, and then the sauna, and then I did swim a little, and I was walking back totally chill, like you know, the whole like Neptunian thing was like peaceful. And I saw the shadow in the middle of the street, but it was kind of real, but it wasn't. And I paused, 
and I felt it feeling my fear because I was totally unexpecting, you know, not expecting this. So we did this little dance where I was trying to get grounded <laughs> and uh, let it know that everything was fine. But it started to kind of like pace a little bit like it might like I thought it might need to charge me. And I was like, what? So anyway, so now when I come back from the gym really late. I'm on the lookout, and I don't like. I'm not relaxed anymore after. Anyway, so um, I want to talk really briefly about Nietzsche as a symbol for what I'm going to talk about. Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche. I'm going to give you his. Um, let me just uh, find his uh, his birth. Oh my gosh, juggling charts. Um, yeah, so uh, this is rated B. So uh, you know, I actually do did use a birth time here. Um, 15 October. 1844 at 10 a.m. in um, Röcken, Germany, R-O-C-K-E-N, and it'll show up with a with a, some kind of a mark over the O. Uh, anyway, so um, what I was what I was thinking about is because um, I was thinking about how excited I was to do this show for you because I want to tell you that while these things in Paris are awful and this that nation is really shaken up and there have been comparisons with. Uh, what happened in the States in September of 2001, you know, comparisons and, and, you know, whatever. People were wondering how similar it is as far as shaking up the national sense of safety and security, that kind of thing. Of course, the numbers of people who were affected are very different and the groups, you know, you know, maybe different. But, um, but I was thinking and I had this welling up of emotion because I want you to understand that we're not done yet. Like the the where we haven't yet exposed the raw nerve in the West in response to the exposing of the raw nerve in the Middle East about how we have approached the Middle East since the end of World War One, which I'm going to get to when I'm done with Nietzsche's chart. So Eris is about triggering insecurities and then either lashing out or going meek and thinking that we're weak and small. So I either make you wrong for hurting me. Or I try to take it, but then it may eat away at me, or I may feel small or less than if I don't feel like I'm strong enough to lash out to defend myself or to recoup a sense of pride, right, that, that I can take pride in who I am, that I have the right to feel good about myself. That's kind of the, the basis for the archetypal process I'm spelling out in the Eris book that is in process that will be done in a few months. I'm very excited about that. Um, but anyway, what I want you to know is we're not done yet seeing the effects of almost 100 years since the end of the war, of World War One, of the effects on the Middle East of Western policies imposed and colonial issues and control issues and different war issues and feed you know feeding different groups and supplying guns to this group and then fighting that group. We're not done seeing the effects. So what I I I, I had this welling up of emotion. My heart opened. In this kind of 12th house Neptunian way because I want you to get grounded. I was going to say it probably 100 times over the next few episodes. We're not done yet. The stuff in France, these two events, these are not isolated incidents. You can think, oh, you know, everything's going to hell because now it's it's in France, right? It's in, you know, and maybe it's in another country later. Maybe it's in the U.S. again later. But I just want you to get – that we're not done. I'm not doing a doomsday thing. I'm not saying you're not safe. But what I'm saying is we're in process, and it's a long-term process. Eris's orbit is 558 years. 
and the Puriranu squares are active for almost three years, June of 2012 to March of 2015, but for a few years before and after. So we're in this eight or nine year field in which the heiresses, this thing about lashing out or feeling weak, what do I do when you hurt me, when you make me feel small, when you challenge me? When I feel vulnerable because you're making fun of me or because you seem strong in a way I f perceive I may be weak, or do I lash out? Do I feel weak? The heiresses of most people on the planet have been and are and will continue to be highlighted, heiress and Aries, transiting conjunction with by Uranus, transiting square by Pluto. So I want you to be clear that we're not done yet, but you can get grounded. You can work on how you handle things emotionally. You can learn to process things. You can decide that you are in a long-term learning process. You can learn to view the rest of humanity as a work in progress as well, which is one of the things that Eris, with its long orbit relative to our lifespan, can teach us. So with, with Nietzsche's chart, just briefly – Neptune in the third house in Aquarius, if we use this birth time of 10 a.m., again, rated B. I'm going to use it, though. Uh, usually when I find B, I don't use a time, but I'm going to. And Eris is in late Aquarius natally with that Neptune. So he's somebody who is attuned to global issues. And when he speaks, if he aligns with in a Neptunian way, it will probably be acerbic, Eris and Aquarius. Aquarius can be very critical, objective, but very cr critical. When we do Eris well, we push other people's buttons and we, we stir their vulnerabilities. And then again, they have the opportunity to decide how they're going to respond to us. Do they lash out and make us wrong or do they feel weak and timid, which of course can lead to other, another host of issues. So I was just thinking about Nietzsche because when I had this welling – and you're going to be like, Thomas is so scattered today, but I'm not – I had this welling up of emotion and I was reminded of Nietzsche because <laughs> because he cracked when he saw a carriage driver whipping his horse in the street. Like Nietzsche's in the street. He looks 50, 100 feet away something. He sees this carriage driver like the you know the equivalent of a cab, right, in 1889, um, whipping his horse. And he runs over and throws his arm around the horse and after that is like basically you know, emotionally gelatinous mess and he's committed. And his sister takes over his estate and she's the, she's the one who um, sympathized with the kind of Aryan thing that became Nazism, National Socialism. She's the one who supervised certain translations that make Nietzsche look like a Nazi supporter. Anyway, everything went, went to hell after he went crazy because she took over his estate. And he lived for several more years, but anyway, so he lost it because he had this heart opening. And I just was reminded of this like outpouring for the suffering, not of this animal, but for this, for suffering is what I interpret this to mean. This is kind of lore. This is kind of lore, but I, because some people say, well, that happened because he had syphilis and his mind was going, but he witnessed, I, I do believe that he witnessed this awful thing. And it affected him, and something broke. N Neptune in the third, you know, Neptune in the third with Eris, you know, seeing somebody else being abused made him made him crack, and somebody else being this horse. So anyway, so that's what I was thinking because I had this welling up of emotion. 
So moving on to this heiress thing, I've kind of been peppering it in and talking about it. You know, the show being called an heiress show, understating terrorism. Um, when we, as I mentioned, when we feel that we have been wronged, what do we do? When we feel excluded, when we feel used or teased, what do we do? Well, to understand what's going on with contemporary terrorism in the Middle East, as it's, you know, I was thinking about this a few days before the Paris stuff, I got the green light in my own energy field to go ahead and just finish the Eris book, which has been in process for about four years. And I've gone back to it actively, and there have been blocks. It's not the right time yet. It's not the right time yet. No inspiration. Can't write that next sentence, that kind of thing. I mean, it's about halfway done for four years. You know, for the last two years, it's been sitting there. Me thinking, like, sometimes, like, late at night, I'm like, oh, man, I really want to finish the Eris book. Because it's so, such an important teaching to help people see, like I feel, to help people see the personal side, the archetypal, individual archetypal process of this planet that's way out there. You know, where some people are struggling to see the personal individual value in using Pluto on a chart. Well, here's this orbit that's over twice as long. So I've been excited about this, but it, the green light was on, and then it, through four days later, this stuff in Paris happened, and I realized it's because of this link between terror, terrorism, and we're not done. We're not done yet. So, so in in the story of Eris, in the mythology of Eris, there's there are different stories. The one that we focus on the most is the story of the golden apple. She's excluded from this wedding of two deities, big deal wedding. She's the only deity who's excluded. She's a troublemaker. Her name means strife. So what are you going to do, invite her to your wedding? So she's not invited, and she's hurt, and she throws this golden apple with the inscription, uh, Callisto, for the fairest, into the middle of the reception between these three different goddesses who are perceived to be a little vain. So Eris drops a bomb in the wedding reception. She knows it's going to go off because of their insecurities. So the three goddesses argue, uh, who's the fairest? They go to Zeus. Zeus, consummate politician, will not make the decision. He enlists a, a Joblo mortal Paris. To, you know, this is the trial of Paris, or the um, the, the the choice of Paris, or different ways that it's said. But but um, you know, so then he has this insecurity. So everyone has an insecurity the whole time. And then uh, his, he, he's bribed by each of the three goddesses. He accepts one bribe to choose Aphrodite as the fairest. And she – the prize is uh, the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, she's already married. So then stealing her away, Aphrodite helps Paris steal Helen of Troy. And, uh, and then her cuckolded husband uh, is hurt. Because you know he's a, the the king of this of this area of this of this kingdom, and he you know can have his wife stolen. He he gets his insecurity is triggered. He goes to his brother, who has great influence among all the kings of Greece, who bands everyone together. They go to war. It's a Trojan War, the biggest armed conflict on the planet. So it starts with this lady who didn't get invited to a party. This lady who got snubbed and left out of this wedding reception, and it leads to the greatest mobilization of armed troops in the history of the world, it changes the world, the, the Trojan War and everything. So we have this effect of having, you know, we have this possibility of having a great effect when we stir other people's insecurities. Do we do that through making them wrong for the fact that we hurt, that we feel vulnerable? 
or we can also do it in a way of lighting fires under them, which is a way of doing it in a loving way. Like in my job, like in my personal life, I find I'm pushing buttons all the time. I have a loud heiress. I made it my job to light fires under people. People say, how can I improve the situation in my life? And I say, here you go. And they can take it or leave it. But then that's what the intuitive skills <laughs> development class is actually me lighting fires you, with your guides and the Ascended Master and Archangel I work with in your life so that you can improve things, right? So I made it a job. So you can – different ways of doing it. I can I can help you see that or I can you know, feel unhappy that everything's being catalyzed. So we – the bottom line for Eris, I'm kind of summarizing quite a lot, but I want you to see this story, that we're catalysts for growth as we reveal others' insecurities and vulnerabilities if we can learn that we don't have to defend ourselves. If we can learn to value the other, even as different as he or she may be, or they may be, if it's a group. So if we're going to understand, and I, I argue for a compassionate approach to Eris, you know, you can just you can just say that you know she's a bad name. She's you know you can say you can say that she's just a bad influence. But this is an archetype within our consciousness. So just like Pluto, Lucifer, Lilith, and all these other things I work with, there's nothing bad. There's no bad thread. There's no bad apple within your psyche. It's just ways of the bell curve of Saturnine culture trying to get us to fit within it so we don't have a lot of variation. So certain things are said to be bad. So to have compassion for Eris, we have to understand what would her motivation be. This is a key to understanding terrorism. This is a key to understanding modern statecraft and terrorism. All anger is a response to pain. If you're writing that down, underline it three times and put three stars to the left of it. In every single case that you encounter anger, anger is a response to pain. So I want us to give Eris in the myth the benefit of the doubt so that we can work through our individual portion of consciousness regarding errors, the archetypal threads within our consciousness about the story, feeling left out, feeling snubbed, feeling triggered, feeling vulnerable and insecure. And how do we work with that? So if we do that for Eris, which of course I'm encouraging you to do, then we have to do it for ISIL. We have to do it for Al-Qaeda. We have to. If we label terror – and you're going to be like, you know, what the expletive, <laughs> unless you know me. Unless you've been following this podcast or work with me or taking classes with me or do work with me. Um, we have to give the benefit of the doubt to these people who are so angry. We have to. We're not going to heal anything through making them wrong for being angry. Now, that is what modern statecraft is all about right now. That's what the modern nation state is focused on. How can we protect ourselves against these violent people? And that's fine. That's fine. That's a level of reality that if you live in that level, that's that's valid for you. The the day-to-day -day functioning of the world operates on that level. But you're coming to me, to this show, to these perspectives, to the Ascendant Master and Archangel I work with, to your guides and my guides, to get a different perspective. And I'm telling you, when you respond to anger with anger – you perpetuate cycles of anger. You will never heal the pain behind the anger.
Now I'm going to take another break. This is Tom. I can't believe it's 40 after. Tom Jacobs on the soul's journey. Stick with me. I'll be right back with more uh, speeching and diatribing. Tom Jacobs, the host of CTR's The Soul's Journey, share insightful perspectives on astrology and spirituality, providing useful tools to help you make life better. Each month, Tom saves his most in-depth analyses for subscribers to his monthly service. Subscribers to tdjacobs.com receive a user's manual for each month when the sun changes sign. The sun's time in that sign, ingresses retrogrades, major aspect patterns, and new and full moons are covered in depth and help you make the most of the present moment. A channeled meditation and a monthly call to pick Tom's brain are included, as are a number of perks, exclusive materials, and savings on his classes and products. Read more and sign up monthly or yearly at tdjacobs.com. Need help getting grounded? What about cleaning up and improving your relationships with your body, money, and others? Energy worker and channel Tom Jacobs infuses crystals with the supportive, clarifying, and empowering energies of Archangel Metatron and Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin. Charged Tiger Iron powerfully engages your first, second, and third chakras, while Charged Red Jasper activates Chakra 2. Users report improved sleep, deepened meditation, increased trust of their bodies, intuition, and spirit guides, better boundaries, and heightened confidence to follow their passions. Included with each charged piece are channeled resources and ongoing support from Tom Jacobs. Get your charged crystal at tdjacobs.com. Hey there. <laughs> Welcome. I got uh, recouped. Got, got a grip. Uh, obviously, I'm very impassioned. About all the stuff, got a grip during the break. This is Tom Jacobs on the Soul's Journey, talking about Eris. Now, um, regarding stuff from the Middle East and religious extremism, you know, a, a we, we need to be clear that this is not about Islam. This is not Muslims. These are some Muslims who are freaking out in anger because of deep pain and different ways. So I was. Um, just about shouting at you before the break that you will never heal the pain behind anger by responding to anger with more anger and defensiveness. This is just a fundamental truth. This is one of the things, now that Eris has been in our astrological consciousness for 10 years, discovered in January 2005, um, and also from Philip Sedgwick, I got the time of his discovery from Mike Brown, the astronomer. 
credited with the with the discovery. So that is actually there's a huge section in the Eris Book in Progress on the discovery chart and what it portends. Uh, and now I have a birth time, so it's very exciting. <laughs> you know, a time of that discovery. He noted it because he knows, like Mike Brown, this astronomer knows that astrologers are going to ask. He's savvy and hip and cool with astrologers. So, um, so it's been in our collective awareness for ten years. Of course, the myth has been part of you know our you know the the Greek uh, heritage for quite a long time, Greek mythology. But um, astrologically, now about nine years since it was named. So. Um, it heralds this challenge to understand defensiveness, understand uh, shunning the other, not inviting others to the party. <laughs> you know, it's about all the stuff, but also the emotional realities, the con- and the consequences of not looking at pain. So, Eris is a teacher. To point out to us, anger, defensiveness, etc., covers over and is inspired by pain. If you've noticed, uh, you being a human on planet Earth, uh, you may have noticed that when you get really angry about something, if you hold it back, it can fester, you can boil, you can seethe, you know, resentment builds, you kind of bite your lip and bite your tongue. If you don't hold it back, if you go into it, at the end of it, you sometimes weep. And you think, oh, why am I weeping? You know, like in this moment of like this wave of anger has broken. This is the proof of what I'm telling you. Every single one of you has had this experience. Now, it could be when you've been by yourself or could be with another person, but cry, you, don't, you don't get angry. Really let that wave come up and break and stay angry. Something resolves itself. When I was talking to my girlfriend, having that past life part talk, I was, I was angry. I wasn't yelling or anything. I was, I was actually really grounded and clear, but I was explaining why I was upset about something. And once that frustration was aired – then the softness was able to happen because there was a release of that energy through crying. You can you can move energy, you know, to move emotion through your voice, through physical activity, through crying. Right? You can do all those things. But the, one of the most, I mean, maybe the only truly effective way of moving anger energy is to go through it until you cry. To really let it happen until there's that release. So, again, giving Eris in the story the benefit of the doubt, why would she do that? Why would she respond with angry? Is it because she's a bitch? No, because she was hurt. She wasn't invited to the party. Everybody else was invited to the party. So same thing with these terrorist groups. Now, why are they hurt? You have to go back to the end of World War I, and this is the secret. The end of the Ottoman Empire. The part of... The Ottoman Empire being on the losing side of World War I was that it was dismantled by the League of Nations, which essentially means Britain and France. And suddenly, all these people who have a shared cultural connection are split up. Oh, you? Uh, You're this country. Oh, you people? You're that country. Um, Some of them became autonomous. The The Republic of Turkey was created during this 18 – 1918 to 1922 process, but the, the treaty making everything official 
uh, was uh, in uh, August of 1920. Um, but the actual breaking up happened over this four-year period. So this – the motivation of ISIL – I'm calling it ISIL, not ISIS because when when I say ISIS, I want you to think of the, the, the Egyptian mythology. <laughs> so ISIL – Right, Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, which is like this is another part of it. Like, what is the Levant? Well, go back and read about the the Ottoman Empire and how things were before Britain and France kind of divvied everything up on the back of cocktail napkins over drinks in order to, and here's the point, um, capitalize on the spoils of war because of the incredible uh, natural resource wealth, as in oil, petroleum, of that part of the world. So. France kind of colonized two countries. Britain kind of colonized two countries, and other ones became independent. And anyway, this whole thing was broken up. So one of ISIL's stated goals is to erase geopolitical boundaries in that part of the world. Well, these boundaries were like, oh, well, you know, these countries have been there for however long, 80, 90, 100 years. But in fact, those are arbitrary – those are externally imposed, colonially imposed – Borders. Of course they want to destroy those borders and establish a caliphate. Of course they do. So they are hurt because of how things happened at the end of World War One, given that the Ottoman Empire, the you know, at that time being dissolved. So that is the source of this terrorism. So Al Qaeda is kind of like, you know, for for a number of years we learned about them. We we learned about all they're doing. They're the apex of all this stuff, right? And they're awful. And for, you know, really, most of us couldn't have imagined anything worse than what Al Qaeda was doing. And then we have ISIL, and it's brutal, and it's intentionally over the top brutal, intentionally. They are an evolution of the thread and the impulse, the impetus that creates groups like this. They are the evolution of it. So what I'm offering you to understand more about terrorism, contemporary terrorism, as it comes out of Islamic extremism in the Middle East today, is to look at what happened in that part of the world that is not in you know, 1918, 1922, that is now only just ripening. Eris's impact takes a long time to ripen. Pluto's does too, but Eris's orbital period is over twice as long. It's not twice as far from the sun because it's an elliptical orbit, but um, it's not uniformly twice as far out as Pluto. But its number of years around the, that it takes to go around the sun is 558 years is the current thing according to, to Sedgwick on Saturday, that it changes as people crunch data over time. So I it used to be we were told it was 557-year orbit. Now it's 558. Um, so these processes take a long time to unfold. Well, here we have Eris and Aries full-time since late – like October of 1926, Eris and Aries. Most people will – most astrologers I think may tend to say it is not personally relevant because every, almost everybody alive on the planet has this in Aries. So as this book will describe – this book and process that I'm completely jazzed about finally being able to finish, um, it will demonstrate this archetypal process and help you understand how to work through this as well as the collective connection 
right, the connection to collective issues that individuals experiencing the triggering of insecurities that can create strife, competition, and chaos, like how that works. But, um, cult, you know, it takes that long for things to blossom. And at the end of World War One, Eris was at the end of Pisces. In 1922, for a few weeks, it steps into Aries and then stations and retrogrades back into Pisces. 1923, it's like six or eight weeks, goes into Aries and then retrogrades back again into Pisces. Same in 24 and 25, and on October of 1926, it's full-time in Aries. So we're talking about the Ottoman Empire has to dissolve as Eris dances around the anoretic degree of Pisces before a new beginning – with Eris into Aries. And of course, we don't have that story in our collective consciousness in 1918, 1922. But now we can go back and look and understand this thing about strife, chaos, competition for resources, all of this stuff. So regarding the stuff that's been happening in Paris, this national group must mourn this. The government and other Western governments who perceive that they are or will be or could be targets of such behavior, such, uh, you know, terrorist acts by Islamic extremists, um, they will focus on the security question. They will focus on more surveillance. They will focus on technology and policy to attempt to protect and defend and perhaps get back at these people. Whoever, you know, I mean, the two individual gunmen have, have been have been killed, but like these kinds of people, this is bringing up, you know, this whole thing is bringing up more about the conversation in France and also different Western countries, but a lot in France because of the really um, noticeable growth over the last, I don't know, it's 50 years, if I'm remembering correctly, going from like a, a you know, up to nine or 10 percent. Of the country being Muslim from like, you know, one or two or three percent. Like that's quite a lot of growth, you know, of a of a minority population. So there is this sense of the other and what it means to have that other integrated into society on all different levels that is being stirred by this. Because again, it is not Muslims that are the problem. If you talk to a real Muslim, they will not be doing this, planning it, supporting it wanting it, talking it. This is not what Islam is about. So the world, through stuff like this, Al-Qaeda, ISIL, this kind of crap, the world is being challenged to get to know the other. The Western world is being invited through this strife, chaos, violence, this lashing out to get to know the other. Will we do it? Or are we only going to focus on how afraid we perhaps should be of of those who adhere to Islam, those who follow Islam. So I, I literally have five million more things to say about this, and that's why it's going to be a book or it's becoming a book. <laughs> so um, yeah, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal, not because you and your Western country might not be safe. That's not why. <laughs> it's a big deal because – this is a global issue dealing with the other. The, ma the main – the two things that define 
post post postmodern life and our spiritual development and our struggle to go from the Piscean age into the Aquarian age in which we're like on the fence, we're like in process to decouple from um, hierarchical garbage that we don't choose into hierarchies and societies that we do choose, Aquarian age sensibility. The two things that are loudest are gender inequality and racism. And here, talking about stuff, you know, the Middle East and the West, it's a form of racism. It may be technically bigotry, maybe whatever it is. But these are the two main issues. And so these are not going away. This is not going away. So I want you to get grounded. Again, go to my site, get the free MP3, 13-minute MP3 on my site, and uh, check out the uh, Intuitive Skills Development Course where I'll teach you and your guides will through meditation, energy work, and hundreds of tools and tips and tricks over 10 weeks to clean up your life, understand your history, and become a more conscious operator of yourself to create the world you want to live in personally and collectively. When we strip away our fears about what may happen and who that other person may turn out to be and how that person may not love us or accept us, every single one of us wants to be a dynamic agent of change, bringing the force of positivity and love to the world. This is not Sagittarius smoke blowing up your ass. This is actual truth. When we strip away all that stuff, we want to help other people. So this course and everything else I do is designed to help you with that. So check out what I'm up to at tdjacobs.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Next week, taking caller questions as I spell out Pluto and Uranus squares in your natal houses. So join me live for that next week and uh, definitely call in live. Be in touch with questions. Thanks for joining me. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com. Obs.com.